you guys doing this morning? We're glad you guys are here. My name is Christian Jorgensen. I'm the youth minister here at uh, New Hope Christian Church. And if you don't know me, I'm really crazy. I drink a lot of coffee before I preach, so I'm just giving you a fair warning. I have what's called diarrhea mouth. Things just come out sometimes, and sometimes they don't make sense. So just put up with me. Um, We're going to pray, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to guide me, and we hope that the Holy Spirit helps me to not have a lot of diarrhea mouth today. Uh, Why don't you guys pray with me? We want the Holy Spirit to be involved in what we're doing each and every day, especially when I'm preaching, Lord. Father, we just love you, and I'm just so humbled to, to preach your word. Lord, it's, it's unreal that you use crazy goofballs like me to do this, but somehow you show your work and you show your power to work through people like me, Lord, and let it be your words and, and not my words today. Help us to learn what real stewardship is. It's more than just money. It's more than just a capital campaign that we talk about sometimes. It's a lifestyle. And I pray as our world deals with so many issues, help us to have good stewardship with the world around us. Help us to spread the word. Help us to show that love that conquers evil. Lord, because there's a lot of evil right now. There's so much darkness, Lord, and we need all the light that we can get right now. We love you and, and we praise you, Father. We just glorify your name. In your mighty and precious name, amen. This is a picture of a fight between a manager and an employee at a Panera Bread in New York City in July of 2015. See, the manager had fired this employee earlier in the day, on a Wednesday. And this employee came into the store later, and she started yelling at the manager, and then she decided to punch the manager. Then the manager decided to punch the employee. And she was unconscious. Both people got fired the next day. This is what the Panera ownership said. We have a zero tolerance policy for violence and work swiftly with authorities to investigate. The health and safety of our associates and guests will always be our top priority. This manager decided to take matters into his own hands. He knew he had a higher authority he had to answer to. He knew that there was a higher authority that made policies. But he felt he wasn't subject to those policies. He felt that he could knock out this woman cold. But then he had to answer to higher authorities. He ended up losing his job. We're in week nine of this series called Believe. We're talking about what we believe as Christians. We're talking about why we believe what we believe. And this is our belief for week nine. I believe everything I am and everything I own belong to God. Psalm 24, 1-2 goes along with this idea. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. God is our owner. We are the managers. A lot of times we like to take matters in our own hands. We don't like to abide by God's policies. We forget that we have a higher authority that we have to answer to as managers. You see, this uh, cake is like our lives. Each slice represents a different part of our lives. A lot of times we're like, hey God, 
well, you can have my church life. That's all right. Or, God, you can have my family life. It's all right. But I'm going to keep the rest for me. I'm going to keep the rest for me. God, I don't want you to touch my relationship life. You see, I love living with my boyfriend or girlfriend, even though I should probably marry her because I've been living with her for 10 years. You know, I maybe want to test drive the car before I buy it. You know, that's what people do these days. That's culture, right? That's comfortable. Lord, I don't want you to touch that. I really don't want you to touch that. I want to live with this person for a while to see, you know, what it's like to live with them. You know, I don't want to take a leap of faith. I don't want to, you know, have purity. Or, Lord, you can't have my finances, Lord. I have a lot of bills to pay, Lord. I don't get a lot of time off of work. I like to take a lot of vacations. I like to buy a lot of nice stuff to show people that I'm worth something. I like to stash so much away for retirement, Lord, because I feel I need security through retirement. Lord, I said I trust you, but I don't trust you fully. And sometimes, through an event, or through God's word, or through people that God speaks through, God has to hit us with a spiritual two-by-four. In this case, it was a, a pound cake. But sometimes God is like, wake up! All you guys wake up? Alright, good. Smell the roses. I want the whole cake. I want the whole shebang. I want the whole thing. I don't just want a few slices. I want the whole cake. There's many biblical examples of people being good stewards of many different aspects of our lives in the Bible. You see, in 1 Samuel, we have the story of Hannah. Hannah pleaded with God to have a child, and God granted Hannah a child. And she called this child Samuel. And Samuel meant, I asked the Lord for him. And Hannah dedicated her son to the work of the Lord. Once her son was weaned, she gave her son to Eli, who was the priest at the temple, and she dedicated her son to the work of the temple. So she was showing good stewardship of her son. That's a good example of how we should show good stewardship with our children. Then we look at the story of Elijah in 1 Kings. There was a drought in Israel, and God told Elijah to go outside of Israel to a poor widow. And this poor widow opened up her house and showed hospitality. And I forgot to add, she was a Gentile, and, and Jews and Gentiles didn't interact too well. So God called Elijah to go to a Gentile's house. And Elijah actually called, you know, to God. And he's like, sure you want me to do this? But God's like, yeah, I want you to be challenged. I want you to take a leap of faith. And this lady showed good stewardship of her home and good stewardship of hospitality. Then Paul commands us in, in 1 Corinthians 6 to honor God with our bodies. Our bodies are a temple. This is where the Holy Spirit dwells. You know, your bodies were bought at a price. They weren't cheap. A price we couldn't cover ourselves, right? So we have to honor God with our bodies. We have to be good stewards of our bodies. We have to watch what we're putting into our bodies. We've got to watch how many times we're exercising all the time. In Mark 12, we see stewardship of money. There was a widow who only had two coins that she dropped off into the temple treasury for offering. And there was all these rich people dropping off large amounts of money. But those two coins were all that this lady had. 
Jesus says, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. Majority of my life, I haven't owned too much. I've owned a car and I paid that off and now I own another one, but I'm not going to feel like I own it until I pay off the credit union. feels like I'm going to pay off this car the rest of my life. But I've been on my own since I was 23. I lived in a lot of places that weren't my own place. When I first got into ministry, I lived in a parsonage, which is a church-owned house. And it was weird because we had this old guy that would uh, mow the grass at my house, and it would be 6 in the morning, the sun would be shining, and I'd see this old guy in the window looking at me on a riding lawnmower as I'm waking up. It was an awkward sight. And I remember I left my porch light on a few times, and there was a couple that lived like directly across the street, and they would always make sure that they could give me a hard time, you know, on Sunday morning about my porch light. I felt like I had no privacy whatsoever. And people would always be knocking on the door at crazy hours. Hey, I left this at the church, or I left that at the church. And at my first house that I lived in, the number for my house was the same number for the church. So I'd get random calls, you know, for the senior pastor and random calls for leadership. You know, I'd be chilling in my house. Uh, hey, do you know if we're supposed to bring, you know, potato soup or, or roast beef to the potluck, you know, on Sunday? So that was pretty crazy. And I lived in another church-owned house at my next ministry. Then I moved to Manassas, and I lived in somebody's basement for a little while. And then I shared a house with a guy in Centerville. And now I live with the lovely Dave Savage. He's one of the most studly 60-year-old men I've ever met in my life. He's right over there. He's single. Ladies, brace yourselves. I also live with a crazy Mississippi redneck named Paul. He's not here. He can't defend himself. But he's about as redneck as they come, and he likes being redneck, so he doesn't take offense to that. But I don't own that place either. That lovely man over there owns the house. But there's two realities that I've had to deal with from not owning a place to live. This is the first reality I want to talk about. Everything is a rental. Everything is a rental. When I go into a living place that's not my own, I have to sign a lease. A lease shows that you're going to be there for only a certain amount of time. You usually got to pay a deposit because you don't own the place. You know, what if you break something? You need that deposit to cover if you break something. But some of those deposits are, are pretty expensive, may I add. I've got to make the best use of that place when I have it, because I don't know how long I'm going to be there sometimes. It may be six months, it may be a year. You know, I might sign a six-month lease, then I might, you know, sign a year lease, and then maybe I'll leave. I don't know. But I've got to make the best use of that place when I have it, because I won't have it for forever, and I've got to take care of it, because it's somebody else's property. We are renters on this earth. Life is short. We've seen some of these Paris attacks, and we've seen some of these uh, shooting attacks with San Bernardino and, and the Planned Parenthood Center in Colorado, and we realize life is short. We don't know when our last day is. Those stories really hit us with the reality that we're renters on a totally different level. James 4.13 says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. Spend a year there. Carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? 
You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Matthew 6, 19-21 says, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to be born and a time to die. Matthew 25 talks about the parable of the talents. A master gave his servants, you know, talents. The master gave one servant one talent. The master gave another, another servant two talents. And the master gave another, another servant uh, five talents. And the master said, I want you to take good care of these talents for a short while, because I will be back. That shows stewardship on a different level. We're given things on this earth for a short while, but the master's going to be back. He's going to be coming back. Are you taking care of what you're entrusted with? Are you taking care of what you're renting? I've seen times in my own life where I had the realization that life was short. I had the realization that other people's lives were short. I remember, I've told this story before, I was in a near-death car accident back in uh, 2012. You know, I was in Illinois. I was slipping on the ice on the interstate, and I skidded along the median and made a half donut and faced a semi that was five feet away, and that was, that was pretty scary. And then one time I saw my dad in college with blood gushing out of his face because he slipped, you know, in a shower and busted a bunch of bones around his eye, but it looked like he was going to die at that point. And I really started to realize, you know, that, that life was short from that, you know, whole scenario as well. And there's probably times in your life, you know, where you realize, hey, life is short. How many signs does God have to give you to show you that life is short, that you're a renter on this earth? The other reality that I've dealt with through not owning any place is that everything has value. Everything has value. Usually, you'll come into a place you don't own, and there's certain things that the owner doesn't want you to mess with. Maybe it's a light from the 1970s that your owner likes, you know, chilling out in your living space, or maybe there's a weird wallpaper color that's up, but the owner wants to keep that. And you can't mess with those things. Because those things have value to the owner. And you also pay a deposit because there's certain things in your living space that have value if you break them. And what may be valuable to you isn't valuable to somebody else, or what's valuable to somebody else may not be valuable to you, but you have to really understand that there's certain things that are valuable to your owner. How many of you guys love the show Pawn Stars on the History Channel? I love the show Pawn Stars. It's funny, people think they're going to get like $10,000 for like some old, you know, pair of boxer shorts that uh, Evander Holyfield, you know, used to wear back in 1970, and they end up getting like 20 bucks for them, and they're like, I don't want 20 bucks, I should get $5,000. And a lot of times they'll walk away because they think that their stuff is more valuable than what they're going to get. Very rarely will I see that somebody will get what they want from the pawn shop as far as money. I remember trading sports cards when I was in grade school. I used to love to trade sports cards. You know, I'd want a car that had value to me, but I would have to give them a car that had value to them. And the value of the car that I wanted to give them had to match the value of the card that I wanted. 
And I was an idiot. I always would give people good cars. I'd get horrible cars because I wanted people to like me. I wanted to fit in. Remember like this kid that was a couple years older than me tried to take advantage of me one time. I ended up getting like a 1994 Shaquille O'Neal and I traded off an 82 Joe Montana. If any of you guys know about 1982 and Joe Montana, that was one of his best years with the 49ers. But I was an idiot. I wanted to fit in. But here's the point. I think we play the Pawn Star game. We play the trading card game in life. We decide what's valuable and we decide what's not valuable. But God decides what's valuable. If he's our owner and we're just a manager. If God owns everything, if everything is God's, doesn't he determine the value? He determines the value. If God determines the value, we're supposed to give our 100% to everything in our lives if he thinks everything is valuable. You know, Matthew 22 says, Love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You've got to love God with everything. You've got to love God with everything that is given to you. Because God thinks everything is valuable that he owns. God thinks everything is valuable that he creates. Colossians says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it to the name of the Lord. Because everything that God owns, everything that God creates is valuable. There's a lot of things we think are messy. There's a lot of things in our own lives that we think are messy. But God sees the beauty in our messes. Ecclesiastes 3.10 says that God has made everything beautiful in its time. How many of you guys love Charlie Brown? We're getting close to the Christmas season. One of my favorite Charlie Brown movies is Charlie Brown's Christmas. Some of you guys are like, yeah, I was like in high school when that came out. You know, I saw the reruns. Anyways... I remember Charlie Brown was looking for a tree, and there were so many nice trees, but he wanted this little tree that had a small amount of pine needles on it. There was like all these pine needles falling off. But Charlie Brown found beauty in that tree. I remember in high school, I got an award for being a lifesaver. We got candy awards my junior year of high school for baseball. I was a catcher, so I was a lifesaver, I guess. I saved lives because I blocked the ball a lot. Uh, I can't block the ball a lot now, but back in the day, I guess I was in a little more shape. But anyways, that's water under the bridge. And I still have that pack of Lifesavers at my mom's house. That was from 2003. That's an old pack of Lifesavers. I probably won't open them up. But I see beauty in that pack of Lifesavers because that has some sentimental value. It reminds me of a time when I accomplished something. God sees beauty in everything that he creates and that he owns. He, he wants us to see the beauty in everything that he creates and everything that he owns. Some of you guys don't think you're valuable. Some of you guys think that you have screwed up so much, that you're so messy, that you need to take your own life away from you. You know what you tell God when you try to take your own life away from you? Your life is junk. God, I know you created me. I know you own this, but my life is junk. It's not worth anything. You want to tell the creator of the universe that your life is junk? That hurts him. That tears him apart. Some of us think that money is more valuable than anything else. So we work our rear ends off day in and day out. We don't know how to treat our family well. We don't exercise. We don't come to church because we're selling our souls to our jobs. Because we want to look good. Because we want to move up the corporate ladder. Because we want to have a lot of nice stuff to show people we have it all together. In reality, we're, you know, so broken. We're so messy. 
inside. One of my favorite movies is Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Indiana Jones is on this quest for the Holy Grail. I remember a scene where Indiana Jones is reaching for the Holy Grail and he's holding on to his dad's hand. And the ground is shaking and the, the Holy Grail is getting farther and farther away from Indiana Jones. And Indy's dad keeps saying, let it go, Indy. Let it go. See, Indiana Jones valued that Holy Grail more than he valued his own life. And you see, Indiana Jones' father valued Indiana Jones' life more than that Holy Grail. But sometimes our father is holding us by the hand and we're trying to latch on to something that shouldn't have that much value in our lives. And our father is saying, let it go. Let it go. You need to get your uh, priorities straight. Let it go. Know what is valuable to me. Here's the crazy thing about renting and about seeing everything as having value. One day you're going to have to turn in the keys to the place you rent. One day your landlord is going to inspect your living space to see if it's livable for somebody else. You might want your landlord as a reference for a future living place. And your focus is geared towards where you're going to live next. Eventually, we're all going to have to turn in our keys. The ultimate landlord is going to expect our lives. One day, we're going to have to go before the judge. If you know the, the parable of the talents, the master came back. The master wanted to see what the servants were doing with the talents that were entrusted to them. One had one, he buried it in the ground, he didn't do anything with it. He was cast away. One had two and, and doubled that. And the master was pleased. Another one had five and doubled that, and the master was pleased with that. Are you going to be that servant that had that one talent where you just don't do anything with what's entrusted to you? Or are you going to glorify God with every area of your life? Are you going to turn in the keys? Are you going to have a clean living space? Are you going to fight the good fight? Are you going to finish the race? Are you going to keep the faith, like Paul says? Is the master going to say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because some of us are going to be at the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Lord, didn't we cast out demons? We spent a lot of time doing that, but we didn't love our families, and we weren't good stewards with our money, and we didn't show up to church. He's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Having a relationship with Jesus isn't defined by how much time you're involved in church or how much money you give. It's about stewardship as a whole. It's about everything you are belonging to God. One of my favorite movie quotes is from a movie called When the Game Stands Tall. It's a true story about a coach named Bob Latticeur. He coached De La Salle High School in California. It was a Catholic high school. They have the, one of the best records in football history. They have one of the longest winning streaks in football history. 
And this is what uh, Bob Lasser says in the movie about his program. It's not about football. It's about helping to assist you to grow up. So when you take your position in the world, you can be dependent on. When you face the master, he's going to say that you were dependent on. He's going to say that you were growing up in him. He's going to say that you didn't care about accomplishing stuff. You didn't care about what you owned. You cared about people depending on you. You cared about the master depending on you. How did you serve the least of these? How did you have a happy balance in your life? Where you're good to your family, where you're doing well at your job, where you're serving at the church, where you're making time for a quiet time, where you are tithing. And we're not going into the tithing debate right now because that will be another topic for another day. And honestly, I think some people that argue the 10% are trying to get away with giving so little. They're trying to find loopholes. But that's another topic for another day. But are you giving God everything? Can you be dependent upon? Are you growing in Christ? Is it about accomplishing things or is it about faithfulness? When you turn in those keys, you realize that your whole life was about being a renter and seeing value in everything. Because God sees you a renter and God sees value in everything. Because everything is His. We are supposed to be stewards of everything that is his. Speaking of stewardship, I have a public service announcement. This is two for the price of one today. This is a special deal. Speaking of stewardship, I have felt convicted that we need to be better stewards of some of our young people and teenagers here at this church. We've had a lot of issues going on, and God has really tugged my heart to talk to you guys about some mentoring. Now, it's not going to look pretty to start out, I think sometimes in church, we can try to plan things for so long, we can think of every reason that this could go wrong, instead of just trying it and rolling with it. As Christians, sometimes aren't we supposed to take a leap of faith and try things and roll with things and, and roll with the punches once in a while and rely on God? And that's what I feel right now. Because we can plan this thing for years and never do it. But I think right now we need to start this. There's not a better time than now. I need people in this church to mentor teenagers and to mentor some young adults. If we want to see this church grow, if we want to see succession with leadership, we have to have some mentoring going on right now. I know I'm going to hear 9,000 excuses of why we can't do this. I don't have time. Well, what about the parents? Are they going to like this? Well, it's awkward for me to talk to somebody I've never talked to before. Are they going to like me? We're already taking care of all that. I've, I'm going to save you some breath. You either want to do this or you don't want to do it. Right, buddy? You say that all the time. Yes or no? I've been hanging around with him too much. We can kick the can with these things. I need some male mentors for some male high schoolers and middle schoolers and some males, you know, that are between 18 and 30. I need some female mentors for females that are in middle school and females that are in high school and for females that are between the ages of 18 and 30. And this isn't going to be huge. This is what you're going to do. You're going to call them twice a month. It's not a lot of work to pick up a phone. Hi, how are you? How are you doing? Can I pray for you? That's all I'm asking for, twice a month. And on top of that, you're going to hang out with them once a month. It doesn't matter what you do. Go have a burger. I don't want you to do anything sinful or legal, but go have a hamburger. Go to a movie. Maybe they could do yard work with you, and you pay them for it. That's a big way to get in their hearts, you know, with money, because teenagers want money, and a lot of young people want money. 
If we don't start mentoring these kids, they're going to fall away. They're not going to be in church. The dropout rates after high school are tremendous for kids that don't come back to church. It's not just up to me and the youth sponsors. We do enough with the teens. It's, it's up to you guys, too. All I'm asking for is two phone calls a month and hanging out with a student. I asked how many kids wanted mentoring last week in youth group, and out of 16 kids, 11 of them wanted mentoring. These kids are hungry for mentoring. So if you want to talk to me after service, tell me if you want to mentor a high schooler or a middle schooler or a young adult person, and I'll put you on a list and we'll work out the details later. I just want to know if you're interested today. I might come hunt some of you down because I know some of you guys would do well with this, but maybe you'll come before I hunt you down. But seriously pray about this, guys. If you want this church to grow, if you want to see younger people here, we've got to mentor young people. If you want to see younger people step up into leadership, we've got to mentor young people. Even David said in the Psalms, Do not forsake me, O God, even when I'm old and gray, until I proclaim your mighty works to the next generation. Are we going to proclaim God's mighty works to the next generation? Are we going to do that? So that's my two-for-one spiel today. But anyways, I'm going to pray, and then the worship team is going to come up. Lord, thank you for this time that we can come together. Help us to be stewards. Help us to realize that you're the owner and we're the managers and that we have to answer for everything we do as managers, Lord. We give you our money. We give you our family life time. And we, we give you our exercise life. And we give you our relationship life. We give you everything because it's yours. Help us remember that we're renters and that everything has value. Our time here is temporary. We have to see everything that you value as having value. Lord, it's hard to have a happy balance of everything, but we need to strive to do that because it honors you and you deserve it. Because our bodies were bought at a price. Our lives were bought at a price that we can't cover ourselves. Help, help us remember that sacrifice that came. So we could have this amazing life with you. Help us not to take that for granted. We love you and we praise you. In your money, precious name. Amen.